0: thank you good evening you all look really really good Yeah, especially you pastor yeah good to see you I have a question for you how often do you pray how often do you talk to God during the day and when you talk to God what do you tell him when you go through your day are you finding all kinds of things to say to God and ask Him? Or sometimes do you get to the end of your day and you realize you've barely spoken to the Lord at all? Our passage that we're going to cover this evening is one of the richest sections in the Bible that talks about prayer and our relationship with the Lord. It's also going to challenge us to think about the words we say to each other, and what we want most in the world, what we want most in our life. You're also going to meet somebody that you maybe have never heard of before, but he's going to inspire you. You picked a great night to come to church because the Apostle Paul really knows how to finish a letter. Let's pray together before we open this book. Father, thank you for this adventure we've had in your book of Ephesians. And thank you, Father, for bringing us to this place, your house, to listen to your word. And we pray right now, Father, that for everyone here, we would not be listening to me. We would be tuning into your Holy Spirit. Let your Spirit be our teacher, we pray. We need to understand these things, and we need your Spirit to teach us. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please turn to uh, Ephesians. Chapter 6, end of the book. If you've been with us the last few weeks, Pastor Mark has been leading us through verses 10 to 17, where the Apostle Paul instructs us how to dress for success. Look at uh, Ephesians 6, verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. Why do we need to wear armor? So that, because you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. As Pastor Mark showed us, our enemy, the devil, is real. And he is a master schemer. He wants to inflict as much pain and damage on us as he can. And he's not alone. Look at verse 12 of chapter 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, plural, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Satan has lots of company. His dark and powerful forces have us surrounded. Do you remember what Pastor Mark told us will happen if we lower our guard at any time in this battle? Do you remember what he said? we lower our guard, we give the devil, the enemy, the opportunity. And what will the enemy do with that opportunity? He'll take it. Thank you for, for listening. Yes, he will take it. The enemy will take it and he will hit us where we're vulnerable. So Paul writes, look at verses 14 to 17 in Ephesians 6. Again, pastor covered this. I'm just bringing us up to speed before we get to the last... Paul writes, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Dear, dear brothers and sisters, we have to understand, we have to understand that in the shooting gallery of life, you and I are sitting ducks. Sitting ducks. Satan has us in his sights. He attacks with flaming arrows, and we are made of tissue paper. That's why we need armor. You know, when I was a kid, and someone made fun of me, I had my response ready. I'd drop this on him. I'd say... I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say to me bounces off me and sticks on you. What a devastating comeback. Too bad, too bad that that comeback isn't actually true because teasing words really don't bounce off of us, do they? they? They hit the mark and they hurt. But Pastor Mark showed us last week that God provides for us armor. He provides it, but what do you and I need to do with that armor? Yes, we have to choose to put it on. And if we choose to put on the full armor of God, we really become bulletproof, flaming arrow proof. Satan's attacks bounce off of God's protective armor. I want to just make sure before we go on that we understand as believers in Christ that when Satan, our enemy, attacks and all those evil forces attack, They cannot take our salvation. You know why? Because our salvation is not in our hands. If If it was, the enemy would figure out a way to get it. But the Lord God holds and preserves our salvation in his hands. And the enemy has no power whatsoever to take anything out of his hands. But the enemy sure can attack us with those flaming arrows. Flaming arrows of despair, worthlessness, panic, discouragement, fear, doubt, and endless temptations to sin. If you ever get a chance to go to New Orleans, I'd highly recommend that you go to the National World War II Museum there. Tour that amazing facility, because as you do, here's what you're going to learn you're going to learn that many defeats in battle started with these words they won't attack us here. They won't attack us here. Too many good men and women of God have been defeated when they thought Satan can't attack my marriage because I'm not going to let him. Nothing can shake my faith because I'm too solid. Oh the devil He can't can't lead me into a trap because I'm smarter than that. The enemy loves it when we choose to fight him on our own. But the devil runs from the believer that is covered in the full armor of God. And as Pastor Mark showed us last week, that putting on God's armor means we put on Christ. We keep our eyes on him all the time. And we choose, again, to make. The things of God, not just one of the priorities in our life, but the, the priority of our lives. Do you want to see something cool? Of course you do. That's why you came to church tonight. Okay, keep your place right here, but turn to the very beginning of Ephesians. Ephesians 1.1. Look at this. This is cool. Ephesians 1.1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, To the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So, Paul begins by addressing this letter to the sweet saints. And by the end of the letter, where we were just reading, he is talking to us like we're soldiers, arrayed in full armor, ready and waiting for orders. So, the question becomes what are our orders? We'll find out as Paul wraps up this great letter. Let's read together chapter 6, verses 18 to 24. It says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak. Verse 21, But that you may also know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. And I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us, and that he may comfort your hearts. Now verse 23, Peace be to the brethren in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with a love incorruptible. After we put on our armor, what are our orders? Get to work in prayer. Pray. Pray at all times. Clearly, the Word of God is teaching us that prayer is for warriors. Prayer is for warriors. Maybe the biggest mistake you and I make as believers is underestimating the power of prayer. Prayer is one of the great mysteries of the universe. Almighty God needs nothing and no one outside of himself to accomplish his will. Yet, Almighty God chooses to work through the prayers of his people. We can be so foolish when we choose not to pray for whatever reason. Here's the fact of the Christian life. God does more when you pray more. God does less when you pray less. Throughout the Bible, we see God doing mighty works when these people pray. And throughout this church, throughout this church, we see God doing mighty things when you pray. And on that subject, just let me take a second to thank all of you. All of you faithful ones that prayed for my surgery last month, you prayed for me before, during, and after What a blessing you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you for choosing to pray. When our faith in God is shallow, when our faith is shallow, our prayer life is shallow. But when our faith in the Lord is deep, our prayer life takes us deeper still. Here's how faith and prayer and faith go together. Here's how they go together. The more we trust the Lord, the more we pray. And the more we pray, the more we see God doing in our life and in the lives of others. And the more we see God doing, the stronger our faith grows. And the stronger our faith, the bolder our prayers. Prayer builds our faith. Prayer builds our faith, and faith strengthens our prayers. Here's something really, really fun to think about. It's going to be on the screen for you. Here's a quote from Dallas Willard, my favorite. This is one of my all-time favorite quotes ever. Let me read it to you and think about this. He writes, the cautious faith that never saws off a limb on which it is sitting never learns that unattached limbs may find strange, unaccountable ways of not falling. Amen. Is that true in your life? I hope so. Have you ever sawed off a limb in bold faith? Have you ever found the Lord God holding you up in some unexplainable way? There is nothing more awesome than to experience firsthand the truth that with God all things are possible. Here's the outline for tonight. It breaks down into three questions that I tried to rhyme just because I thought that would sound better. How should we pray? First part, second stanza is what can we say? And then what do we want most today? It's actually what we want most, but most didn't rhyme with anything, so I added the word today so it would rhyme. But this is our outline. So we're going to start with verse 18, and we're going to spend most of our time on verse 18. We're going to cover it all, but just 18 is going to get the bulk of our attention. Let's read verse 18 together. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view... Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Do you see all the alls in this verse? There are four of them. Look, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. I'd like to look at all these alls one at a time. They're amazing. They're amazing. I'm so excited you're here tonight because this is This section of God's Word is just incredible. With all prayer and petition. You know what that means? With all prayer and petition. It means that God invites you and I to pray all kinds of prayers and make all kinds of requests. The life of prayer is an unlimited life. It's the freest life there is because God invites us to talk to him about anything, anywhere, anytime. What's the difference between prayer, a prayer, and a petition? Because that's what Paul talks about. A prayer is any communication with God. But a petition is specifically requesting God to do something. So sometimes we pray and we don't make a request. Like we just praise the Lord or we thank him or we tell him how much we love him. That's a prayer but not a petition. Paul expands on this in Philippians 4.6. It's coming on the screen because I want us all just to look at it. I know you know this passage but look what Paul writes he says be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests let your petitions be made known to God the word supplication means a heartfelt or humble request to make to the Lord so here's the great news as God's people you and I have the opportunity to live very very special lives In fact, we have the opportunity to live the very best kind of life there is. You and I have to learn, but we can learn how to live worry-free. We can learn to live worry-free. Paul writes, I'm going to read what Paul wrote here. You can follow along. Paul writes, be anxious about the scary stuff that might happen. Or he writes, please worry about the big decisions you've got to make. That's probably what I would have written. But Paul wrote, be anxious for nothing. Do you know what the word anxious means? It's really interesting. May I have that definition, please? Here's what anxious means. Look at this. It means experiencing worry, unease, or nervousness about something with an uncertain outcome. So let me ask you a question. How many things in your life have uncertain outcomes? Just about everything. So here's another question. What if? What if we stop worrying about all the things with uncertain outcomes? What are we going to do with all that extra time on our hands? Instead of wasting time worrying, we can invest it. We can invest it in prayer. We can invest it in prayer. Are you good at memorizing scripture? I'm sure you are. Yes, you are. Here's a verse we can all memorize. Let me have 1 Thessalonians 5.17. We're going to memorize this one tonight. (laughs) Pray without ceasing. Okay, don't look at the board. What What does the verse say? Say it with me. Pray without ceasing. We memorized it. That's how good you are. Don't ever think you're not good at this again. Let's be honest, though. Let's get really honest with each other. Some of us, maybe most of us, are much better at worrying without ceasing than we are at praying. The Word of God proclaims this. The Word of God proclaims that worrying never helps. Praying always does. You may want to jot that down. Put that note where you can see it a lot. Worrying never helps. Worrying never helps. Praying always does. The reason I know so much about this is because I used to be a world-class warrior. In my younger years, if there was a contest, if they held a contest to find the biggest warrior, the worst I could have done was tie for first place. That's the worst I could have done. I was a champion fretter. But here's what God's taught me. God has taught me that I need to pray all the time to keep from worrying all the time. I need to pray all the time to keep from worrying all the time. In Christ, we can be warriors in prayer instead of warriors in life. That's what we get to be. What does it mean to pray without ceasing that we just memorized? John Piper John Piper wrote a book called When I Don't Desire God. When I Don't Desire God. It's a good book, and he talks about what it means to pray without ceasing, and I'm going to paraphrase him a little bit so we can talk about this. Praying without ceasing means at least three things. Let me have the first one, please, Robert. Praying without ceasing means recognizing our dependence on God for everything we do. I don't think we're going to have to take time to turn to each one of these, but I'm going to read you these verses. But dependence on God... Dependence on God is the very heart and purpose of prayer. We pray because we depend on God. And even when we're not consciously speaking to God in prayer, there should be this deep abiding, continuing dependence on the Lord in everything we do all day long. In first, uh, John 15:5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For, apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. You can do nothing apart. So that's part of praying without ceasing is recognizing our absolute dependence. Second thing it means, can I have the second one please, Robert? Thank you. It means praying at every opportunity. Romans 9 is going to help us understand this because in 9 Paul also uses the word unceasingly and it, and it helps us understand what he means. He wrote this in Romans 9. he says, For God whom I serve in my spirit in the, pre- in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness to how unceasingly I make mention of you. How unceasing? there's that word, how unceasingly I make mention of you. Paul says that he mentions the believers in Rome unceasingly, certainly. Paul did not mean that he literally mentioned them every second of every day in prayer and in conversation, but he did mean that he talked about them often and always, as often as he could, he spoke about them. So praying without ceasing, ceasing means that we pray often. We pray at every opportunity. You know, all those things without uncertain outcomes, if we pray about those, we're going to be praying without ceasing. <laughs> a lot to pray about. Third thing, praying without ceasing means is never getting up on prayer, never giving up on prayer. Luke 18, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Sometimes God waits before he answers a prayer and that delay is for our benefit to grow in our faith and grow in our dependence on him as we wait for his perfect timing we should never we should never give up on the lord by giving up on prayer so praying without ceasing means that we rely on god for everything we pray at every opportunity And we keep praying and trusting Him no matter what. Okay, that's the first all. Let's look at the second all. We'll pick up a little speed. (laughs) Second all in verse 18, chapter 6, verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Hmm. This tells us there are two kinds of prayer prayer in the Spirit and prayer not in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit does not refer to the words we say, it refers to our attitude. In prayer, our attitude. Romans eight twenty six to 27. It'll come up on the screen for you. Paul writes In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints, that's you and me, according to the will of God when we pray in the spirit we are praying in humble submission to the Lord's will we may hope we may hope God answers our prayers a certain way and that's fine but above our own desires we want his will to be done first and foremost no matter what if we do not pray in the spirit then we are praying in our own spirit we are putting our will above the Lord's. we are praying with self-righteousness or selfish prayers And the Lord tells us he doesn't hear those. James 4.3 will come on the screen. It says, you ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures or on your own self. But look at what 1 John 5.14 tells us. This is beautiful. This is the confidence. This means it's a sure thing which we have before him, our Lord, that if we ask anything, anything at all, according to his will, in the Spirit, he hears us. He's listening. He hears us. I don't know why he wants to listen to me, but he does. The third all, in verse 18, chapter 6, says, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition. What does it mean, really, to be alert? Can I have that definition, please? It means being watchful for possible danger. Vigilant. Vigilant and prepared. Prepared. We're in the middle of a spiritual battle. We're in the middle of a spiritual battle. Are we on our toes? Or are we taking a siesta? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, Jesus was alert in prayer. What were the disciples doing? He kept dozing off at the worst possible time so this is what Jesus said to them Have Matthew 26 please Jesus said keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation for the spirit our human spirit is willing but the flesh is weak what a warning from our Lord what a warning for you and me we must keep watching and praying we have to do both we have to stay alert and we've got to stay in prayer or otherwise we're going to fall into temptation. We need to put on God's armor, and we need to stay alert in prayer, or those flaming arrows are going to get through and hit us. Paul also tells us to be alert with all perseverance. What does perseverance mean? Let me have that definition, please. This will sound familiar. Perseverance, steadfastness in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Our enemy is relentless in his attacks. He never stops attacking. Therefore, we must be relentless in prayer. We can never stop praying. We can never stop. Every single one of us is either right now or just a little while ago or will soon face a very difficult situation. And it will not be solved quickly. The Word of God is telling you and me this very important thing. no matter what happens we have no reason to panic but we have every reason to pray we never have a reason to panic we have every reason to pray the fourth final all in verse 18 almost done with verse 18 with all prayer and petition pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. You know, I love thinking about all of you. But more than just thinking about each other, we need to turn our thoughts into prayers. We need to pray for each other. Back in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel sinned against the Lord, the prophet Samuel made an amazing statement. It's going to be on the screen for you. This is from 1 Samuel 12 23. Look what Samuel said. He said, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me. That I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Wow. Are you and I sinning against the Lord when we don't pray for each other? During World War II, Winston Churchill said this. Can have that, please. Winston Churchill said in the early days of World War II, he said, Next to cowardice and treachery, overconfidence leading to neglect and slothfulness is the worst of wartime crimes. Well, guess what? You and I are still in the middle of a world war, aren't we? Against spiritual forces of evil. And you and I can also commit the worst of wartime crimes when we become overconfident in ourselves and we become careless and lazy in prayer. Okay, verses 19 to 20, we're getting there. Look what Paul makes a request for himself. Look what he says. He says, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Little review question. Do you remember Do you remember where Paul was when he wrote the letter to Ephesians? Remember where he was? Yes, Pastor. Yes, Pat. he was in prison. If I was in prison and I was closing my letter to you all, I'd probably write and pray on my behalf that I get out of here, uh, that I get some decent food and clean water, that I get a much nicer guard. Right? Paul may, does does not ask for prayer for his personal well-being or physical comfort. The most important thing to Paul is to proclaim the gospel wherever God puts him. Do you find that incredibly encouraging and convicting? at the same time? How many of us have boldly proclaimed the Gospel at the top of our prayer list? Paul writes, pray that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. How many times do we open our mouths without praying for God to give us the right words to say? The word utterance in the Greek means to speak clearly, clear speech. Paul was a trained scholar and speaker. He could speak in multiple languages. But he didn't rely on his skill or his training. Paul relied on God to give him the words that his listeners could clearly understand. C.S. Lewis said, never use a big word. Never use a big word when a little word will do. I love that. Never use a big word when a little word would. do. That means we don't ever have to try to impress anybody with our prodigious vocabulary (laughs) or or our abundance of knowledge we need to pray for the Lord to give us words that people can understand when we tell them about Jesus Paul asked, did you see that Paul asked for prayer so he could speak with boldness this means with ease and confidence if Paul needed prayer to speak boldly how much more do you and I need prayer if the idea of sharing the gospel with someone intimidates you that's okay just remember this we need to pray not to have confidence in ourselves but pray for the Lord to give us confidence in him and his truth and then just trust the Lord to give you the words to say Did you notice the word Paul uses there in verse 19 to describe the gospel? It's a great word. See that in verse 19? He calls it the mystery. The word mystery here means the truth of God that was hidden from human understanding until Jesus came. One of the mysteries of the gospel is that the Messiah would unite Jews and Gentiles into one body called the church. That was one of the mysteries. But the gospel is also a mystery because God's plan of salvation cannot be understood by mere reason takes revelation. We cannot we, I know we want to, but we cannot argue people into heaven and we we just can't hit them with enough logic and clever comebacks to get them there. We just can't do it. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit to open their eyes to reveal his truth to them when we're talking. In verse 20 Paul describes himself as an ambassador in chains. The Greek word he uses for chains here means a prisoner, prisoner shackles. In Paul's days, royal ambassadors would often wear gold chains on their neck and on their wrists to show off the riches and power of their government. But here Paul considers his prisoner chains to be the perfect adornment of an ambassador of the Lord Jesus. So Paul was an ambassador of Christ, and so are you. So am I. Pastor Mark had us look at this verse last week, but let's again look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. Therefore, Paul writes, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an an appeal through us. Okay, so wherever you and I go, we represent our Lord. What a wonderful privilege and what a huge responsibility. When people work with us, when people talk with us, when people just hang out with us, when people watch us, what kind of Jesus do they see in us? The next two verses should encourage us to really think about the words we say. Look at verse 21 to 22. But that you may also may know about my circumstances, how I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know about us and he may comfort your hearts. Who is this man named Tychicus? First of all, he has a really cool name. I wonder if they called him the Tick. Tychicus was a convert from Asia Minor. Asia Minor is modern Turkey. Tychicus we read about in Acts chapter 20. He went with Paul, or Paul to Jerusalem where Paul was arrested. And then he traveled with Paul to be in Rome in the first Roman imprisonment where Paul wrote the letter to Ephesians. Paul sent Tychicus on similar missions to other churches that we can read about in Colossians, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Look at the description. Paul describes Tychicus as a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. Can you think of a better reputation to have in all the world than to be known as beloved and faithful in the Lord? What would be better than to be known as beloved and faithful in the Lord? Paul sent Tychicus to Ephesians to give them news and also to comfort or encourage them. Okay, we need to pause here and think about the words we've spoken this past week. What percentage of our words fall under the category of comforting and encouraging this past week I did some very quick research online on the average men speak men speak about 7000 words a day women women speak about 20000 words a day The only point, the only point I'm trying to make is that you and I speak between 7,000 to 20,000 words every day. This means we have 7,000 to 20,000 opportunities each day to use encouraging and comforting words. How are we doing with those opportunities? Now we come to Paul's Absolutely beautiful benediction. Verse 23 to 24 to close out the letter. Peace be to the brethren in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Paul ends his letter like he began. Look back very quickly just at verse, chapter, chapter 1, verse 2. We're going to come right back to this, but look how Paul began the letter. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 2. He wrote, Grace to you and peace from God our Father, And the Lord Jesus Christ. And he closes his benediction with grace, peace, faith, and love, which are the major themes of the book of Ephesians and the major pillars of our Christian life. Think about this with me. Paul loved, he loved the believers in Ephesus. Paul planted that church. Paul was a pastor of that church for three years. So what did Paul desire most for them? Did he pray at the end of his letter that the Ephesian church would grow in size and financial stability? His greatest desire for them soared way above any kind of earthly prosperity. Paul wanted his dear ones to grow in peace, love, grace, and faith. Maybe there's no better test. Maybe there's no better test to reveal what kind of people we are than to see what you and I desire most in our lives. In our heart of hearts do we yearn for prosperity or for growth in peace, love, grace, and faith? We'll close this great book of Ephesians with one final note. Did you notice in verse 23 Paul addresses the brethren? This means he is writing to believers, to the believers in the Ephesian church. But in verse 24 he adds, an address to all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. If, if you love Jesus with all your heart, Paul wrote this letter to you and he's signing it himself to you. I pray that all of us have grown in grace, peace, love, and faith as we've studied this wonderful, wonderful letter that the Holy Spirit directed Paul to write to us. Our prayer team will be up here to pray with you after. And speaking of the prayer team, after we've studied prayer, wouldn't this week be a wonderful time for you to visit the prayer team that meets on Mondays from 7 to 8.30 in the cafe? I promise you it'll be the fastest 90 minutes of your week. You don't even need to pray out loud. You can just come and listen. Or maybe this would be the great week for for you to visit one of our uh, community groups. We meet all days of the week. You can find out about that in our in the website. Let's close in prayer. Father, I don't even know how to thank you for this book. I don't know how to thank you for what you've taught me, and I pray it's been that way for all of us. Lord, we need to pray without ceasing because there is just so much around us <coughs> that can cause us to Live very defeated lives when you have already given us the victory. Your blood covers it all. I pray we will not walk out of here the same way we came in. Please change us, Lord. Fill us with your grace, your peace, your love, and faith. Let us be all worthy ambassadors of you, our Lord and our King. Amen.